right, good morning. You guys can be seated. And right off the bat, Muriel, if you wouldn't mind not going anywhere just yet. Unless you, hey, is your husband here yet? You don't have to come to the front, but we do. Where is he at? Where's Dave Wasby at? This ain't the same without him. So listen, it's Muriel and Dave's 40th anniversary today. But we gotta, we gotta find Dave. That's Muriel back there. That's our kids pastor. And I was, gonna, I was not gonna make her and Dave come to the front. Where's Dave? He thwarted our, uh, <coughs> all right. Uh, uh, I'm gonna just linger here. How's everybody doing? You guys doing good? I missed you guys last week. I had a staycation, um, so I was here, um, but I wasn't, and I really missed being here. Um, God, <laughs> my plan's been thwarted. <laughs> uh, okay, well, what I wanna do, and I'll just go ahead and do it. Uh, yeah. Anyone, any updates from anybody else? <laughs> oh, there's so many of us. This is awesome. Oh, hello. Welcome. You guys are cool to just hang out for like a minute or two? Because that's, that's actually my only option here. Because the next thing to talk about, I can't quite go back from it. Oh, yeah, say hi to each other. Yeah, 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 just talk to each other. Look over. Rock, paper, scissors. I don't know. Is there someone you haven't met yet? Make this moment normal. Normalize this moment. All right, come back. We're good. We're ready. Tell, your per- tell the person talking to you to be quiet. Church is starting. Actually, keep going. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're comfortable, are you comfortable? All right, it's Dave and Muriel's 40th anniversary. Come back to me. So, so listen, uh, this, is, this is actually, I'm not joking on this part. I, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. They're not ones to stand in the front and ask for your attention. So I'm going to keep this simple. They've been married for 40 years. Um, they've spent the last several years pouring into our church. Um, it's very rare that they get to stand at the front, but several of you, like a lot of you know them. And they've cooked for you, they've welcomed you into their home, they've talked about their marriage with you, and they have just loved this church um, for no other reason than just they love it. And uh, like, they're not paid to be here, they just believe in it. And I want to honor them and just pray a prayer of thanksgiving for their marriage, and then I'll stop embarrassing you guys. But Father, I just, you know what they've meant to us, you know what they've meant to me our staff, you know the anchor they've been, the place of strength and steadfastness, the place of peace, the place of deep listening. They've spent countless hours serving Aiken, welcoming couples and friends and house churches into their living rooms and just having the commitment to be present, to listen, to softly encourage without shaming I can't imagine that how many times that they've known something wiser but didn't just discerned it wasn't time to say it out loud yet for someone else and instead just listened and prayed. Thank you, God, for what you've been teaching our church through this couple. And Father, thank you for 40 years of marriage. 
Everyone in this room, literally everyone, we don't know what 40 years of marriage takes. Aside from your Holy Spirit, the patience, the love, the steadfastness, the care, the self-sacrifice, the generosity, the empathy. God, so much. Thank you, Father, for sticking with them, for leading them. Thank you for their children. Thank you for your work through them to their kids. We honor them. This church family honors the Wasbys. We hold them highly. And we love you and thank you for for some reason they went on a walk and they found us. Thank you, Father. And thank you so much for telling them to stay here. It has been for our benefit and our blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. Love you. Love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Group hug. Sorry to embarrass you. Kind of sorry. Obviously, I planned it. Um, (laughs) Sorry to embarrass you, but I did it myself. All right. Um, All right. All right. Um, All right, all right, all right. Um, Today, we are going to have a family talk. So for the past several weeks, our focus has been on the presence of God and just welcoming the presence of God into this space. Um, And then also, I think last week, Gentry talked about Ephesians 5, and you guys broke out your calendars and talked about creating space in your schedules for more of God. Um, today we are in an in-between moment where I've been needing to talk about a family thing, um, and I've just been waiting for the moment. So this is not going to be a smooth segue into this conversation. And I just want to go on for like 10 more minutes without telling you what we're actually talking about. Uh, no, but, um, next week we're starting a new series on prayer and I'm really excited about that. Um, but today we're going to talk about tithing. Uh, yeah, tithing. Hold on, let's put that slide up, because I want you to see some of the words that come to my mind. Uh, yuck, gross, ew, just kidding, sort of. No, I'm kidding. No, I don't know. Maybe I'm not, you know? And uh, we got to talk about it, um, because um, I have, like, never talked about it. I've been the pastor here for almost five years, which I didn't know that until I was planning this conversation, and in my, like, I was going over my teaching, and I said three years, and then did the math, and was like, it's five years, which is crazy. Um, and... I've never really talked about it uh, because it makes me feel icky. It makes me feel gross. Um, I literally started preparing for it and my hands started sweating as I was type. One, I have clammy hands anyway, as many of you have seen. That's why I fist bump, by the way. It's not because I think that's cool. It's because that you don't want the alternative. Um, but I, we do not talk about tithing very often. At the end, we'll say, if you're a family member here, give joyfully and generously, and then we're done. And 11 years ago, when Ethos planted the church, we, that was a conscious decision from leadership. We felt that people had been pretty scarred by the church and their, their requests for money, and that it kind of went a little too far. And so we did the trendy thing. We got mailboxes like this that say give on it. And at the very end, hey, if you want to give, there's a mailbox. Love you. Bye. Yeah, see ya. And we found that that was really refreshing for people. Like, they felt good to come to a church that didn't really talk about tithing, didn't pass around an offering plate. Where I've probably went a little too far um, is that I don't talk about it at all. And that's not super wise because it turns out that giving to your local church is worthwhile. Um, It's good. Um, And you may not know this, it is 100% necessary for the church to literally exist. And so I just kind of realized I need to talk to to you guys about tithing. Um, And the reason I get nervous and I don't like it 
isn't because I, I shouldn't feel that way. Satan has gotten his way. If people are skeptical and cynical about giving to the church, the enemy has won. I promise you that's true. If the thought of giving to the church produces distrust, fear, skepticism, we have a serious problem. And I, I can't let that win. And I haven't talked about it enough because I've let that win. I don't want to bother you. I don't want to produce cynicism or skepticism out of you. I'm scared of what's going through your brain right now. If this is your first time here, I'm so sad that you chose today. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I like was so, fr- I was like, please, no one knew. On this Sunday only, no one, please, no one knew show up. And I'm kidding. I always want people that are new. Hello, everybody. You know, uh, this whole front row is brand new. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, because the truth is, I have, I have several friends, like close friends, not just like random conversations, that I trust their perspective. And they've fallen in love with certain churches that after about six months, they left. And their only reason was because every week, the pastor would give a disproportionate amount of time talking about tithing, saying weird comments, like weird Oh man, this is a hard, this is a hard month, y'all. We need, we, we gotta be generous, gotta be get. And over time, like the, the same message every single week, they felt like the top priority before the presence of God, before your walk with God, before discipleship, before mission, before generosity, it was give your money to the church. And so they left. And I can't, that's a good decision. I would say that's, if that's how it made them feel, that's a good call. And I don't want that to happen here. So much so that I just haven't talked about it at all. Um, And I just kind of realized this week as I was preparing for this and wading through my own fears, I have to steward this family. I can't look around for who's the leader going to be that's going to talk about time. It turns out it's me. And that's unfortunate. But it's not. It's not. It's only unfortunate when hell's having its way. But when Jesus is having its way, his way, if a church like really trusts the spirit of God and is submitted to the ways of God, Giving is fantastic. It will only serve amazing things. And I promise you that's true. I also promise you we're going to spend monies in ways that we're like, we're going to regret, that you're not going to like. I, I know that's going to happen. But I, I also, I know my staff. I know a lot of people that you guys don't know. I know the hearts of these men and women that make decisions. And I know we're trying really hard. And so I don't want to sit up here and be ashamed of talking about tithing. Now, For more prefaces, I'm the king of prefaces. None of this conversation has anything subversive in it. I didn't look at our books and go, oh, all right, we got to talk about tithing. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? This is not good. Uh, I I guess, well, you actually, we're going to get to this later, but this has a lot of information in it. So I guess maybe it's kind of a part of it, but I just, we got to talk about it. But I'm not pressuring anybody. So, if you hear in this conversation, man, Josh is really asking us to give to the ruby. I mean, to some of you, maybe, I don't know, but I, I don't feel pressure on you. I don't need you to give out of a weird spirit. Please hear me. Don't give a penny to ruby. 
Don't give a penny to Ethos Hillsborough Village. If it makes you feel icky and weird and not like you're being obedient and following the lead of the spirit and in line with Jesus, like if it makes you feel all these weird ways, don't give. Talk to God about it. Ask him where he wants you to give stuff. Great, don't care. Does that make sense? So now I'm going to talk about tithing at the Ruby, giving your money to this church family. And we're just gonna be uncomfortable together and ask Jesus to make us a little more comfortable with the conversation that should never have been uncomfortable in the first place. I wanna start with a story that I plan on ending with. So when the end of my sermon doesn't go well, it's because I switched it just now. All right. <laughs> this is such a beautiful story and it sets the table for Jesus' heart and generosity. This is Mark 12. Don't worry about this. Actually, it's like, it should be one of the last slides. Oh, you sly dog. Uh, this is Mark 12, and I was reading this during prayer. I felt led to like read it during our prayer time at nine. Gosh, Jesus is so cool in this story. And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched people putting money into the offering box. Before we even keep reading, picture Jesus and picture a bunch of clueless people going to put some money in a, in a treasury in a little box, having no clue the Son of God's just doing this. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Yeah. You know, the Son of God. Many rich people put in large sums. Amen. Amen. All our rich people, large sums. They're the ones that are making it all happen, right? I mean, seriously, they're the ones making the world go around. That's why everyone's got their jobs. We got a nice temple. In that day, maybe they're thinking about getting some nice candles. I don't know. I don't know. A nice veil that was torn later. <laughs> Verse 42, who does Jesus notice? A poor widow. Guys, picture Jesus watching. This is so sweet. And a poor widow. So a woman who'd lost her husband comes and puts in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. Today's equivalent of $2, a third of a Big Mac. And he called his disciples to them. So he watches it all happen, sees the rich people, sees the widow. Disciples, come here. Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Let me tell you something. If you put giving on an Excel spreadsheet, she didn't make the spreadsheet. She wasn't worth the data point. That money went nowhere. Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And if no one understood that about her heart, Jesus understood it. Jesus is so sweet to notice something that meant nothing to anyone else. At the end of the day, whatever it looked like for them to gather the money up, to count it up, they probably saw just like two copper coins and were like, who even like wasted the time to empty out their pocket change? But Jesus knew. That's the God that is very aware of the conversation we're having today. He cares about your heart. So if at any point, you start thinking, am I giving enough? Am I not giving enough? Is it this percentage? Is it this number? Should I be giving to the ruby? Should I not be giving to the ruby? Rest assured, you can breathe deeply 
and go sit with your good shepherd and just pray with him. Talk with him about it. And he will have your heart on his mind. Before he'll have a dollar amount, before he'll have a figure, before it's a yes or a no, give to a church. Yes or a no, give to this person, this organization. He's focused on your heart. This gets uncomfortable the minute we're going like, am I doing it right or wrong? Is this the right thing? Is this the wrong thing? Is this enough? Is this not enough? We're, we're already starting to miss it, right? We're already starting to put our like American brains on the conversation. Let God talk to your heart today. Just let him talk to your heart. Don't assume I'm asking for anything. Don't assume there's any pressure on you. Okay, we good? Can I, can I get a, just a subtle head nod? Okay, you guys ready? Money, 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 money. Um, all right. So with humility, your pastor is going to talk to you about tithing. So first point, money, ministry, madness. All right. Yeah. Three M's. Leah and I, my wife, we were watching a documentary a few weeks ago about this church, more, more occult than a church, but they read the Bible and they talked about God a lot and they were heretical, but still they professed Christianity. Got a big following through tithing, through some book sales. You learn that kind of behind the scenes, the leaders were just rolling in it, killing it multiple houses, planes, all the stuff. I mean, like straight up millions on millions of dollars. And seeing that documentary as a pastor, I had a thought that many of you already know, but it hit me on a real deep level. I realized that money given to the wrong church doesn't go to expanding the kingdom of God, serving the city around them. It literally goes toward making leaders filthy rich. I did not realize, I did realize, but now that I'm a pastor, on a deeper level, the power a church has. If a church wants to do it as it's set up now, it can be a money make, I mean, they can print money. And they can predicate, they can like prey on the faith of the downtrodden as a get rich quick scheme. How horrible is that? Is that not like the, if you really start to think through it, it's actually like one of the worst forms of manipulation is telling someone you're giving God's calling blessings on your way while I profit. I become rich off of telling you God wants you to give. Are you listening to God? He's calling you to give. And he will bless your giving, all the while knowing I'm making millions of dollars, six feet, whatever it is, that's what we would call evil, right? And please know this, scripture tells us, those leaders, I, Joshua, I will stand before God, and I will account for how I stewarded my family, my church family, so even if judgment never reaches those pastors on this side of heaven, I promise you, they will be held accountable. And I don't want to make light of how aware we are of a plethora of churches like this. Unfortunately for me, this was not my first moment of going, oh my, oh, churches take advantage of people? Oh, my whole picture's broken. Like, 
Growing up, I remember watching like a 60 Minutes on a, on a church that had a bunch of healing going on, slain in the spirit, people falling out everywhere, testifying, only to come to learn that a lot of the healings were fake. And the pastor had a private jet, multiple houses, and me at a seven-year-old being like, you're, whoa, that is insane. And immediately as a seven-year-old, what am I doing? That's all fake. That must mean that everything that God was quote unquote doing in that church is literally a lie. Man, that's tough. Today, I think about an account on Instagram that used to exist. I don't know if it still exists. It probably, I don't know if it still exists. I know nothing about the account now. But a couple years ago, it was called Preachers and Sneakers. And what it would do is post pictures of pastors, and it would literally tell you the price of every article of clothing that they were wearing. Now, hear me out. I, I really do not like accounts like that. They only lead room for assumption and division. They're counterproductive, in my opinion especially when it's like more poking fun in an ironic way. I know that I've had friends that have much more money than me that have given me shirts that I had no idea the value of and I've worn them on Sundays and if a preacher and sneaker account took a picture of me, I'd be like, yo, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I knew nothing about that shirt. Just fit me kind of nice, all right? Chill out. Accounts like that lead to judgment. However, probably safe to assume that pastors with that kind of platform inevitably showcasing that kind of wealth, it produces cynicism, right? There's a consequence to that. But that's not the only reason that giving to a church can be weird and be difficult. Let's talk about our culture and money. We also live in a culture, a broader culture. And maybe I'm wrong, and this won't fit to everyone. Just so you know, this whole teaching, some of you, it'll completely miss you, and that's totally okay. It may not apply to you. You may be totally free and love giving to your local church, and that's great. But in our culture, there is an underlying assumption you deserve money. You deserve it. Why? Because you do. Because you're alive. Right? Does that feel true? Like when you're on Instagram, doesn't it kind of feel like you deserve money? At the very least, you deserve the products that you're seeing that deserve money. You deserve to look like that person and it takes money to get there. And there's just like this assumption, I should have money. And not just like enough money, but like an overflow of money, a plethora. I don't just need to survive. I need to like be thriving, right? And we also live in a culture where people have gotten really good at making money in really easy ways, disproportionate ways. I know people who do IG lifestyle stuff. The, the, cash is there, the cash they're bringing in on a monthly basis is borderline barbaric. It's like, what is going on? How are you doing this? I literally at my Thanksgiving dinner talked to a, uh, a friend of mine who said, I asked, what do you want to do with your life? He wants to do video game streaming online. Why? Because it can make six figures. You can sit there and play Xbox and make six figures? 14-year-old me would have loved that idea. Like, wow. Actually, you know what? 31-year-old me still kind of likes that idea. Like, that sounds good. Whether it's TikTok following or crypto or the stock market or even darker and more sinister ways to make money that you've all heard of, like it is seemingly very easy to give minimal effort and to make maximum dollar. Does that feel true? Does it feel like more people are making more money doing less than ever before? Just, ah, look at this trick shot. Oh, bounced off the roof and into the basketball goal. I've got 2 million followers and $2 million. How's that? Wow. How is that possible? Now, this may not be you, but for me, what it produces is borderline insecurity. Man, gosh, I work pretty hard. 
and I'm not even flirting. I'm not even flirting with flirting with flirting with that kind of money. I'm so far removed with that kind of money. And you know what? It kind of makes me start asking the question, how do I make more money? I need to make more money. And now I'm kind of insecure about my money. And all the people I'm looking at, they're, they're flashing a lot of really awesome things that I want. And so I started scheming. Me and Leah start talking. How do we multiply our money? You know what I'm saying? What investments we got to make? What we got to do? And suddenly this like really sneaky thing happens. Hey, we got to make more money. You know what happens when you need to make more money, when that's your mindset? What do you do with the money you already have? Not giving it away. <laughs> I'm trying to make more. And the more I give money away, that is in direct conflict with my goal of making more money. I'm not going to take a loss when my goal is to never take a loss. Does that make sense? And so slowly, forget church and tithing, just a generous spirit. We become starving people with just one piece of bread and someone's like, I can have a piece of bread. No, no, I might starve. And this real like controlling, selfish spirit takes over. And in that, there's something implied. God is not provider. God is not sustainer. I'm the provider. I got to make this happen. And money is king. Money is what brings success. Money is what brings peace of mind. Money makes it happen. That flies in the face of scripture. It just does. It's not at all biblical. We are not all called to be poor, but we are not all called to be rich. We are all called to live in this weird, messy, uncomfortable, hard to define tension. Lord, help us navigate money. But what this produces, a culture in a way it talks about money, our baggage with the church and money is overwhelming cynicism, skepticism, reluctance to give. Money has begun really slowing down for churches. I don't know if you know that, but for the past like 40 years, someone once showed me a chart and I just, I didn't look it up and cite my sources. So anyway, just know the chart is doing this. In terms of percentage of money that comes into the household versus percentage of money that goes to the church, it's just going down. Part of that is because some people are like me. They'd rather give to someone fundraising. Anyone else? Or a nonprofit they really believe in. Anybody else? Why? Because I feel like I know exactly where my dollar's going. I got a guy that's fundraising. I know what he's doing. He is reaching high schoolers. He sends me a little monthly email. I don't read it because he's one of my good friends. I just trust it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I just know you're doing good. You're doing awesome. We talk on the phone. You're fine. Does anyone else like skip past those thank you fundraising emails? Here's all I've been doing. I'm sorry that I've done that. I feel like I was offensive just then. Are we good? I read the email word for word. I follow it. Anyway, all right. But sometimes it feels better to give to things like that, because I can trace it. And slowly but surely, an entire church family can underestimate the importance and the significance and the positive consequence that personal giving can have. Sunday after Sunday, a preacher preaches, a worship team leads, a campus coordinator makes sure it's all here. During the week, we meet with people, we shepherd, we disciple. When people need counseling, we help cover the cost or cover this cost completely. When the tornado came, we put up $130,000 of a tornado relief fund. With COVID, we had a COVID relief fund. We have benevolence, all these things. And all of us go, that's amazing, praise God. And so we live in this weird duality. We understand that a local church requires generosity to do what it needs to do. But also we're skeptical 
and reluctant to give. Now, this is my time to be clear. Again, I'm not implying anything. In this book, you'll find numbers. How much was given here, how much we spent, where it went. And if you want more specifics, come talk to me. I do not know who gives what in this church family. I may get older and figure out that that was poor stewardship. I don't know. At this point, I don't want to know. Five of y'all might have given our entire year of budgeting, or budgeting, of tithing. It could have been all of us. Maybe all of us gave $100 a week. Maybe like five of us gave thousands of dollars a week. I literally have no idea. So if at any point you think I'm asking you to do something, I swear to you, I'm not. Cool? Okay. Let's look at scripture. Let's just see what the Bible says about money. As I got into this, I realized I need several weeks to talk about this. So I'm not about to do any of this justice. But here's Matthew 6, 19 through 24. This is Jesus talking. Water. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Talk about that later. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. He ends here. You cannot serve God and money. So the same Jesus that said, for God so loved the world, and we're like, oh, thank you, Lord, also says, you cannot serve God and money. Welcome to the tension, right? Don't gotta solve anything, just welcome to it. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10, Paul says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, pretty low bar here, guys. Think about America and then think about this sentence. If we have food and clothing, with these we will be what? Content. Let that marinate. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Before you get offended by that, ask yourself if that can be true of other people. You don't even gotta make it about you. For the love of money is a root of all the kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So the Bible, specifically Jesus and Paul, they know something's true with money become, comes a tension, a soul-level tension. We want more. We want to protect it. We want to prioritize it. And somehow, some way, money has this sneaky way of impacting our walk with God. I'm not trying to bring you to a resolution. I'm just trying to state that is a true thing that we don't need to be ignorant of. How we hold money impacts our heart for God and his work. Okay, I'm about to give you a lot more scriptures. We can take notes. We can talk about it later. Genesis 28. Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, he'll give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I'll give you a tenth. Anyone ever heard the 10% thing? Tie 10%? Leviticus 27, 
and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. Deuteronomy 16. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. Proverbs 3.9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. If you grew up in a conservative Baptist church like I did, you hear people say this, the first thing I do when I get my paycheck, I tie 10%. That's Proverbs 3. That idea of the first thing I do without thinking, no matter if the paycheck is $4 or $4 million, 10%. First fruits. That's the idea there. Pretty good principle, actually. Matthew 6, we already know this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus, we read that earlier, he goes, if you want to know where your heart's at, seriously, a great place to start is your bank account. We live in a world that professes to care about things, but if I had to guess, their bank account reflects 0% of that desire, of that passion, of that movement they're supporting. It's easy to say things, but where your heart is revealed is where your treasure is, where your time is going, where your attention is going, where your money is going. Jesus goes, if you want to know what your heart cares about, look where that's going. That's how you know. That's where your treasure is. Okay. That's where your heart is, yeah. In Acts 4, we kind of watch the whole 10% standard get thrown away. Don't worry about it. And that's relieving. We're going to simplify it a little bit. And we're also going to get way more difficult because now it's going to become a heart issue. But in Acts 4, it says, this is the birth of the church. Now the multitude of those who believed, so all these people that had just come Christian and started joining together as a family, they were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. Wow. But they had all things in common. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. Talk about trust at the end of this, I'm going to ask you all to sell everything you have. Bring me the money. I promise you I'm going to do good things with it. <laughs> I show up in a Lamborghini next week. Guys, God has been good through your giving. Uh, <laughs> they laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. Man, giving got simple and yet difficult all at the same time, didn't it? There were no percentages, no numbers. They went, wherever there's need, and I have that need, no longer exists. I've met the need. This is the most pure and beautiful version of church. We've complicated it quite a bit, haven't we? But this idea, you're in need, and I have? Problem solved. We're done. That's such a sweet picture. It gets more complicated than that, right? But think about the church when it functions as it should. We meet needs. We bless the city. We bless our neighbors, and not just through the tithing of the church, but just us, out and about, seeing needs, meeting them, not just giving to the church, but just giving in general. Lord, I'm here to meet needs. In the name of Jesus, I'm here to bless. I'm here to be generous. A very simple concept. Everything I have is not mine to hold on to. It's not mine to grip really tight and, and guard with my life. It's yours, God. Man, how easy is that to say with our mouths and not believe with our hearts and certainly not obey with our lives. 
It's all yours. I trust you. Wherever you lead, I'll go. Whatever you want me to give, I'll give it. Crazy. So, reality check. When the church functions as it should, you can trust that your dollars are actually, for real, practically and logistically expanding the kingdom of heaven. That is a true thing. When the church is being the true church of Jesus, when it gives unto itself, it will bless the city. It will expand the gospel through word and deed. But an honest truth is that you should be informed about the church you call family. You don't get to decide where all the money goes. That's not how this church is built. But you should know where the money's going and then decide for yourself, is this the church I'm called to? Do I believe in that? Do I like this? Do I feel like God's called me to this? Do I see the Holy Spirit in this? That's why these are on your chairs. Open these guys up. When you flip through these pages, about two-thirds of the way through, well, now I've got to find it. You'll get to a page, real dollars. Here's what you gave. The next page, expenses, right? Ministry staff, worship venues, office and operations, family development, local and global missions. You can trace it. You can look at it. You're also free to ask questions. I may not know the answers, and what answers I don't know, I will ask. Or I'll set up a meeting with you with someone that will know. So if one of the things that makes you hesitant about being generous to a local church, whether that's here or somewhere else, you should ask. You should not fear being informed. You shouldn't just blindly go, yes, pastor, you've asked me to give, and I'll just give. If you have questions, that's fair. You need to know answers. And if the church is slow to give you answers, I won't even finish the sentence. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? I don't know. You can deal with it. You'll be okay. Like, figure it out. But at Ethos, I just want you to know, like, we want to be transparent. And I promise you, you'll find some places where you're like, should you really be spending that much money on that? I'm like, that's a good question. Maybe not. Maybe we should be praying about that. Right? Like, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that every penny is going to perfect places. Anyway, I want you to know this. So... I encourage you, if you want to take a handout home, if you didn't get a handout, this is available online. Ethoschurch.org. Ah, I forget the link. Oh, ethoschurch.org slash stories. There's a PDF version of this. So if you call this place family, but you want to know more about what your money's doing, like when you give $4 to ethosgive.org, designate to Hillsborough Village, that's us, and you want to know what happens when I do that, I actually take so much pride and what happens when you do that. I believe our church is very generous. I've been to Africa and worked with several church planners that our dollars directly affect. I've had pastors from India come and hang out in Nashville and gotten to hear about the lives that you impact. Honestly, you don't even know you're impacting. But it's real, dude. It's real deal kingdom work, serving the poor, seeing salvation, like in places where the gospel is illegal. Like there are real places that your dollar has blessed that you don't even know. And that's my fault. I'm sorry. You should know. You should know what some of your money is going toward.
Also, my salary. Hey, thank you. I love the way I get to spend my time. If we've never gotten lunch, know this. I've gotten countless lunches, countless coffees. I spent countless hours with Ruby family members, praying with them, talking with them, listening, pouring into their life, them pouring into mine. And over the years, I've seen fruit that's so incredible, so special to me. It means everything to me. I love what I get to do. And your giving is a big is the part of that. <laughs> it's, it's a big part. It's the whole part of that. Thank you. And the canneries giving allowed us to be in this church when we couldn't afford it and is still doing that right now. I haven't told you that. Well, that's cannery anymore. Now they're at the marathon. But their giving is why we can afford this building. This building's expensive as heck. We can't afford our own building all the time, ever. But through the generosity of the bigger church, they found it important enough we need a building close to college students who are now married and having babies. But because they believed in the mission of God and believed in college students, they paid too much for a venue that's beautiful and has perfect aesthetics. (laughs) So that freshmen at Vanderbilt that aren't allowed to have cars can walk here. Thank you, church, for being generous. That was worth the money. That was worth the dollar. And I hope one day we find a building that's cheaper and just as close that we can give more money away. Because I'm telling you, your giving is not impacting my salary. I mean, well, if you stop giving, it will impact my salary. That's just facts. But if you all of a sudden start giving more, I'm not getting, I don't think, I'll check with the team. My raise is not on the line. Myself, like I don't profit off of you being generous. I hope it means man, we can start serving here. We might be able to add another full-time staffer who can focus more on married couples and engaged couples. And they can start, I'm like, okay, college students and biblical literacy. Oh man, we can start having some fun. Hey, we got more money. You, can you give me 30 hours a week? We can pay you this? Cool, okay. Let's start seeing the kingdom of God here. Start pouring here. In five years, watch the difference. Like, that's what money can start doing in the kingdom of God. It gets pretty fun, actually, and very positive. And there's no more skepticism and cynicism. I'm really on a tangent. Let me come back. So, to sum it all up, I've got, not to sum it all up, I want to ask you two questions, and I just want to invite you to reflect. I'm not asking you to give to the ruby. I'm asking you just to talk to the Lord. First question is a macro question, big picture. Does my money reflect a life that wants to see the ways of God? Oh, wait, I think I reworded it. Oh, yeah, I, I, it's different in my notes. Does my bank account display a life invested in the kingdom of God? Jesus cares about your heart. There is no condemnation in the answer to this question. My answer is kind of, maybe barely. That's my honest answer if I look at my bank account. A little bit. And that's okay. Jesus, hopefully I've got 40 or 50 years for you to continue growing my heart in this area. And I know you're not putting pressure on me to get the quote unquote right answer right now. That question's not a threat. Micro question. Do I believe in and trust my local church? And if the answer is yes, amazing. If the answer is no, then dig in. What needs to be done? Do you need to switch churches? Do you need to ask more questions? Or do you just need to sit with the Lord? and have honest conversation. There is no right answer to that question. Even if this is your church family, answer however you want. Okay. This is where I was gonna end with Mark 12. 
because I was gonna feel really tense and then I was gonna go, but hey, here's the heart of Jesus. He's watching everyone give and the person who gave the quote unquote like smallest gift was the most significant to him. I don't believe there's a dollar or a percentage he's trying to lord over you. That's a little bit of a pun, Lord, because he's the Lord. Um, He cares about your heart. So there's no shame in this. So to end today, if we're ready, Muriel, are we ready? Okay. To end today, we're going to let some of our leaders show us how simple giving can be. All right? Our kids have prepared a tithe. We've given them, I think, 10 pennies, and they've written a message to the Lord, and they're going to give a penny. They're going to give 10% of what they have to God out of obedience. And as you see this, I hope you just see the innocence and the kindness of God and the simplicity of this conversation, because I know this comes with pressure for some of us. Some of us are like, Josh, you're really overplaying how much pressure comes in this conversation. But I know for some of you, it's real. All right, so here we go. You guys ready? Toby, you ready? Come on. I'm going to open up the give mailbox for you. And you guys, don't be weird. Smile at him. <laughs> Let's go, Emmanuel. Yeah, good job, dude. Oh, way to go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Theo. Thank you, Leo. Oh. Thank you, Bo. Thank you, Bo. That's awesome. Thank you, Marlo. Let's go. Thank you, guys. Oh, we're not done. We're not done. Let's go. Hey, Bennett. Hey, Bennett. You want to give? You want to put it in here? She wanted to give the pencil. Thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. Are you ready? Thank you. That's awesome. Way to go. All right. Way to go, kiddos. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for leading us in something that is good, that is holy, and that there's no pressure to do. Okay? Does that make sense? So, I'm going to give you three minutes to personally reflect right now, and I want you to write down any tensions you felt, anything you felt like you need to dig into more, any questions you have. Have an honest talk with God about giving to here, to somewhere else, but just let God talk to you about those two questions we had. Can we get those two questions back up, Luke? So we're going to play some in-house music. We're going to give three simple minutes. Just ask the Lord, is there anything he's want to talk about? Don't be closed off to him. There is no pressure here, y'all. I promise you, with all my heart. If you feel defensive, ask the Lord, Lord, why, am I, why do I feel defensive? Why do, I, why do I feel like I gotta defend myself right now? You're not threatening me. I just, please know that, that some of you need to just say, thank you, Lord. Like, I've been obedient. Like, I'm, I'm right where I need to be. That's so possible. <laughs> and God's not always saying more, no, more. That's not enough, more. Like, he's not always doing that. And I feel like I grew up and I always felt like no matter what I was doing, there was more. I don't know. I think there's seasons where he's like, great, hey, love you. Thank you. We're great. 
Be open to that. He might not need you to do anything out of this conversation. Now, we're going to take communion together. Um, and before we stand, there's communion in the center chairs in every other row. And so I just invite you guys to grab communion, take one, pass it down. And then once they're all handed out, we'll stand and we'll transition to worship.